0: On this episode of the Big O podcast, I'm joined by Toronto Blue Jays assistant international scout and Ryerson Ram alum, Julio Ramirez. We talk about the influence his Venezuelan parents had on his love for baseball, how a teacher at Ryerson University helped bridge an opportunity for him to intern with the Toronto Blue Jays, what life is like for an international major league scout, and some up and coming prospects to watch in the Blue Jays organization over the next few years. This is the Big O podcast. Today on the Big O podcast, I am joined by former Northern alumni and current assistant international scout for the Toronto Blue Jays, Mr. Julio Ramirez. Julio, estás? How are you doing today, brother? Hey, very
1: well. Very happy to be here, connecting with you for the first time in a very long time. Yes, man. Yes, Sweet. man.
0: It's it's been it's been some time and I'm uh, I'm glad that I I can't remember how, but I came across your Instagram page somehow. And I was like, I was thrown off. I saw the first name. I mm-hmm. saw the, you know, the handle. And I was like, what kind of handle is this? So you're going to have to explain that to me at some point. But I'm yeah, glad yeah. we got to connect. Um, I got to see some pictures and I noticed you were in some Blue Jays gear. And then obviously the thing as, as a parent of two young children, I immediately was drawn to your little one.
1: Girl, um, yes.
0: And so it's, you know, how, how is being a father during, during COVID right now? How is uh, that treating you?
1: So it's been, it's been a great time because obviously with work, we travel so much. So like the right. one silver lining behind any, anything that's been going on is the amount of time of actually being able to spend with her. Right. So just seeing like the day-to-day, waking up where been, it's been unreal.
0: Now, we were talking uh, just before we started recording and uh, you were saying that, you know, you were her first language or the language she's yeah. picking up right now is Spanish. Yep, yep. And so that's one that's amazing. So you have, she's got a lovely, nice mix of, of Venezuelan and Colombian. So yeah. I'm sure at some point there's going to be a battle of family between soccer and baseball. Has she picked up anything so far yet?
1: So when she's with me, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like throw, throw the ball. Throw the ball. Don't kick it. But she does both. She actually like she's right. been kicking it. Um, but I think first she was throwing. And the other day, right. we we're watching the Jays game, and she started kind of mimicking the swing. okay. Like, Here we go. We're on the right path.
0: Now, are we putting the ball into her left hand? Because obviously, you know, the lefties is a little bit of a more of a market for those. Yeah, guys. yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I noticed she's drawn to the right side. She does everything okay. with her right hand, but we got time to switch that
0: up. Ah, fair enough. You know, switch switch hitter. You know, yeah. they're still they're still early to to yeah. mold. Um so you know, our, a little bit of our history is we uh we actually went to to Northern together. Um and I, correct me if I'm wrong, the baseball team was varsity, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. we got to I got I was towards the end tenure of at Northern and you you were coming up with uh there were a couple young bucks on the team. Yeah. Um I know you played baseball through most of your life. I know you got to play baseball at Northern. Um, and then I also saw you got to play baseball at, at Ryerson for the Rams. Yeah, yeah. When did you sort of develop that love for baseball and how did it ultimately end up with you getting hired by the Toronto Blue Jays?
1: Yeah, so for taking it back, like for me, just growing up, like my dad from Venice, both my parents from Venezuela, like baseball just comes naturally. Like it's always on, it would always be on the TV. So I would sit with my dad watch games, he kind of educate me on what's going on. So I kind of just sitting with him and learning the game through him, Yeah, we kind of kept it that way. Similar to what I'm kind of doing with the little one now. Right. Let's have it on, see if she likes it or not, and we'll see. But um, yeah, like cousins, fa- like honestly, all my family in Venezuela, like it's all baseball. Right. You go to Venezuela at, well, back then when it was good, when the country was a mess, it was all baseball. Like right. Big leaguers, advertised everywhere. So it was just always around me. And then I just naturally just picked up a love for it. Uh, Grew up playing Christy Pitts.
0: Right. That's right.
1: Yeah. So I grew up playing Christy Pitts. Uh, We actually like, it was, I don't think it was like a really well-known organization for like winning, but my year, we had a really good team and we won like five or six city championships in a row. Wow. Yeah. So we had a really strong team. And then from there... Kind of played at a more elite level. I was playing for the Toronto Mets. Right. And then finished up playing in Etobicoke. So it almost felt like I was that. So I went to Chrissy Pitts At one point I ended up somewhere in High Park. Etobicoke right. was like west, west, west. And then. Yeah, you
0: got to take your talents all over, uh, all over the GTA. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> never ended up on the east end though. That's right. You know, yeah. it's, that, it's,
0: it's interesting. So did you, play, did you play Little League ball? I never played Little League. you're out of high park yeah my uh one of my good friends actually my my best friend and the best man at my wedding sean um he actually used to play for high park yeah and actually left the team the year before they qualified for the little league world series it's like it's like the one thing that he always sort of like brings back like if he stuck it out like one more year he would have been on that team that got to go and, and represent canada in the little league world series um, so so you you graduate Northern you play baseball at Northern one of the things that I loved about Northern that they really started picking up towards oh yeah I would say like the end of my year was they got super competitive like we they were always at the top qualified for office a couple times which I have actually a funny story that I'll get into in a second and then they started doing these amazing road trips yep and so I. The, the year they started it was actually the the year after I left Northern. So I, I missed out on it, but I got oh. to live through some of the cool stories from like Fenway and like PNC park and, yeah, yeah. and Comerica. Um, so during your time at Northern, did, what were the trips that you got to go on?
1: Yeah. So in grade nine, that was the first trip, I guess. Right. Yeah. So we went, I think grade nine, we just kind of kept it close. We went to Detroit. Right. It's beautiful. Like, it's nice. The one thing I will say, like Mr. Gaw like killed it.
0: Shout out Mr. Ga. Mr. Gaw yeah, Ga was, was uh, uh, amazing.
1: He like he realized, all right, well, let's we got some talent here, like, we can take this a bit more serious. And then he just wanted to expose us to the I guess the US. Yeah. So then one year, yeah, Detroit. The next year I want to say we went to Cleveland. Okay. But prior to Cleveland, like we we made a stop, I guess, I think in Detroit again, then Cleveland. Oh, nice. Then we also saw a couple of minor league teams. So it went from like being like a three-day trip to ending up being like later on, they'd be like a week, a little bit more.
0: Wow. Like a whole experience. Yeah. Right?
1: And then. And I feel like that, school, that's
0: a good thing, right? Cause like you're, you're graduating high school or people are in high school looking for what could be next for them. So it's good exposure to see oh, like the minor league systems oh, and, and stuff like that. So, so where else did you go? Sorry for interrupting. Fenway,
1: Fenway was the coolest one. We have Yankee fans on the team with Yankee hats. Well I was like, I don't know if this is a good move. And then by the end of it, took would take the hat off and started rooting for Boston. Like that's how fun it was there. Wow. Yeah.
0: So I mean you gave me a little bit of a hard time because I'm obviously rocking a a Dodger cap right now. But from your memory in high school, I was actually and still am a Red Sox fan. A big Red Sox fan. And you know, even being in Toronto, when I I always rock my Boston gear when they're playing in Toronto, and the Toronto fans aren't. You know, I've been I've been to Fenway. I, I've I've experienced what it's like to be an opposing uh-huh. fan, and it gets kind of rowdy. But listen, Toronto's not that far off. Toronto's pretty pretty rowdy when it comes to to their team. They they love showing their support, and if and if you're not cheering for them. And your team is losing. You best believe you're gonna be hearing it all oh, yeah. day, oh, yeah. all game. Um, but that, I mean, that's Fenway is one of my like favorite places I've ever been. Forget baseball, just ever. Just yeah. the, the the nostalgia that the memories that sort of just like are exposed and, and thrown out from there is just just incredible.
1: Yeah, there's like an aura there when you walk in. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, you get hit with
0: especially if you know if you're a baseball guy, you get hit with like the history of you know one of the longest standing baseball stadiums in, in MLB history. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you finish high school, right? So you, you get out of high school, you're going to, to Ryerson, right? What did you, what did you study at Ryerson?
1: Took business management and then minor in communications, took some Spanish courses, you know, got that GPA up. (laughs) Um, Ryerson was really random though. It was literally the last day of, um, I guess I can't remember what they call it, but the last day where you can send in where you're going. Okay. So was that
0: like pre new year's? Was that like when you were applying or was that afterwards?
1: After. So you get your acceptances from where oh, okay. it's you. like decision day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Ryerson was not even in my top four. Right. And I'm going through the list and I was like, you know what? Something just told me to go to Ryerson. Right. And then end the story, like it worked out. It's timing everything was like unbelievable
0: now were you planning to play baseball outside of high school is that well, one of the well, reasons you went to ryerson
1: no so ryerson didn't have a team for the first few years and oh, I, had, wow. I had yeah i'd gotten some like small offers to go west uh some really small u.s ones not not anything good like great yeah but uh, i was kind of like, it's not really worth it it wouldn't have been worth it and then so baseball came in i think in my third year at ryerson and i okay. was like, oh man it's been a couple <laughs> years like i'm down let's do it and ben rich actually is the coach there and he started the entire program like wow. from the ground up he came over from i think carlton he had okay coached then and he he did everything to get a program at ryerson and and like he funded it it was he did a great job and then yeah that was a like really fun experience too like by then I was man, it was tough. Like I was so bad. I couldn't hit <laughs> well, I, mean,
0: I mean you're like two years off of playing, right? Yeah, like yeah. I'm sure you're you're not as exposed to it as when like you, you were playing before prior to that. Yeah. But I mean listen, it, it it's it's an experience. You get to do what you love, right? You grew up loving baseball. Yeah. Oh, any opportunity no. to to play the game, whether you're at that high elite level again or yeah. it's just, you know, fun to get out there. It's always a great time playing baseball. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back cuz I I remembered as we were speaking uh, Mr. Gaw. So Mr. Gaw being the the fantastic PE teacher and then I'm pretty sure was the convener um during our time cuz he used to pick all of like the home fields and yeah, organize yeah. that. And we'd always get the Lee side games cuz yeah. you know he loved that park. Um, but it's funny cuz in my grade 12 year, so right before you guys are Northern, we qualified for OFSA. And OFSA was It was somewhere outside of the city, so we. But it was close. It was in. It was in Ontario, and we had our three main pitchers were Corey Percorpio, he, uh, Jeremy Russell, and Bora McManus. I want to say, and Bora wasn't allowed to pitch for the high school team because he was playing club baseball, and so on paper, he didn't pitch. He pitched the game. But what they did was, when it came to an official scorecard, they put my name down, and so I will go down in offset history as being zero and one, and having I don't I don't think it was a bad or terrible ERA or anything, yeah. but I'll go down in history for Northern that the one loss we had in Offsa was was because of me. It was my okay. terrible pitching yeah. performance.
1: That's amazing.
0: It's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Mr. Gaw was just, like you said, instrumental in organizing those trips, really having a feel. Like you could tell he loved baseball.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: he had the calves for baseball for anyone. Like He had the, the oh. most Olympic-sized yes. Yes. calves yes. I'd ever seen in my life. Um, so at what point do you then you know, you go to Ryerson and and you're, you're trying to get your degree. Are you thinking that you still have some sort of involvement with baseball for a full-time job? Like, are you thinking you want to land with the Blue Jays at that time?
1: So yeah, I can walk you through all this. So that for me, like I always knew I want to get into baseball, right? but I had no idea what that meant, how you did it. Like I wasn't exposed to that. You can find these things online, but it's just, Who's looking at it at the end of the right. day? Is anyone looking at that? I don't know. So I got really lucky. I think it was again in my third year, we had Sherry Bradish, who started this whole program at Brock, like really successful. I believe the Leafs GM is out of her program. Okay. Andrew Tennant. Ky- is that Kyle Dubis? I want to say it is. Okay. I don't want to even quote. Here. I don't want to say that's it is.
0: That's not. okay. Listen, we don't fact yeah. check here, man. We just we just say it.
1: And then Andrew Tinnish who's like my boss, like he's the man, but he came out of her program too. So she, she's very involved with sports in Canada. Like, so she had come over, she's to start a new sports marketing program at Ryerson. Nice. And then I was like, oh, of course I'm gonna take this class. Sounds yeah. interesting. Right. And then a couple of me, my, my buddies are in there. She takes a liking to like our groups, very involved, uh, but we have fun with it, like very loose. Right. And then I don't know, one day she came over and she's like, who you like, why do I know you? What do you do here? I was like, I play baseball. That's it. Like I don't do anything else in this school. Like no home, that's <laughs> it. And they say, "Oh, you like baseball?" So she explained that next week we have a surprise. Like I've been told totally one, but the Blue Jays are coming in. I'm gonna introduce you to some of the guys. You know? I was, oh, that's awesome. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, "Yeah, sure." Yeah. I didn't believe. Like I don't know. Are you gonna do it? Great. Then I'm the following week again the class, and I can see her kind of looking. I'm like, oh wow! She just pulls me down, introduces me to Andrew Tennish, uh, and then a couple other guys. In with the Blue Jays, and one of them was uh Han Sing Leung, who, who actually used to be one of my coaches. Wow, and I get to start talking with him. Like, oh man, I completely forgot you work with the Jays, and then he reintroduces me to Andrew. Wow, and then I'm, I'm getting another conversation with with Andrew Tinnish. Yeah, and then, so it was not, it was just like a great networking opportunity. And then from there, they do their presentation. I remember they're talking about certain things like what they're looking for, right? What is like the ideal um, employee with the Blue Jays and like, I'm like doing check I like, wow, this is like new mark Yeah, <laughs> speak Spanish. Okay. Played. And I was like, wow. Okay. So after I go back and I said, like, Hey man, like you're really interested in anything, if you have any tips or it just kind of gives me his email. And then from there we're emailing oof, like two years almost. Wow. But a lot of the time I was hesitant because I busy guy. I don't want to be annoying. Yeah. And it was Sherry, Sherry Bradish. who was like persistent. If it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have kept sending the email wow. and she would always tell me, I'm going to go get lunch. I'll bring you up. And so long story short, we move into my last year at Ryerson. It was literally the last year of my exams. Me and my buddies go get, we're, we're done. We're going to go get a meal for lunch and we run into Sherry and then Sherry's like, Oh, I'm actually going to go see Andy. Like, What are you doing? Like, I'm like, Oh, today's my last day. I have no plans. I'm going to go backpack in Peru for a couple weeks with my buddies. She said, okay, all right, well, I'll bring you up. And then don't hear anything. Yeah, I'm in the middle of Peru. <laughs> I get, I finally get Wi-Fi. And it's like a bunch of like email, uh, text messages, like, oh, oh, wow. LinkedIn, like who could this be? And then it was Sherry. She's like, hey, like check your emails. And I go on, oh my God, like I, I don't have Wi-Fi. Yeah. I get back to you when I can And it'd been Andrew explaining, Oh, we have this opportunity to come up. Not saying it's a job, it's just a way for you to meet more people. And I kind of went with the motions, meet a ton of interviews, getting to learn a lot about like what they do. So it was a really cool experience. So that was like a probably like a two-year process just to even get like to the interview portion. Jeez. And then the interview themselves were like, it was a lot, but it was great. So you end up. Is this the position
0: that you're that you're in now with the Toronto Blue Jays?
1: So I started off as an intern. So those okay. all the, all those interviews were, were for an intern position. Okay. And then the intern position is fantastic because you kind of they will allow you to kind of pick up different parts of the game. If you want to get into pro, amateur, international. You have an ability right. to really dive in and learn as much as you want, and then you kind of catered to your interests, like what you see, but obviously being able to still provide help in other facets. When, for sure. Uh, yeah. um, so I did, an, I did an internship for like two years. It was a lot of fun. And then eventually that turned into full-time with like the assistant role for international scouting. So
0: then day-to-day. So let's talk, because obviously, you know, COVID hit and
1: that changed the game for a lot of things. Yeah.
0: Let's go pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you're doing as an assistant international scout?
1: Yeah, so I think it just depends. So if I'm in Toronto, I think ideally like the perfect explanation is just kind of like I'm a bridge, like I bridge the gap between what's going on internationally okay, and bring that info back to the front office. So... so-
0: so you have scouts that are in those countries yeah. watching live games or watching videos of those games, and and what they're giving you like a list of uh, names or prospects. Yeah, of so to, we, how how young do they start?
1: Yeah, so I, I can go through all that. We have scouts in like I want to say for Latin America because that's most yeah. of my deal with is it. like Dominican, obviously Venezuela, Colombia, Panama, Mexico, and then obviously like with Venezuela and the DR being where more of our scouts are living. Right. So everyone has their own area. They cover their area. They kind of – it's based on years. So you're like the class. This year is a 2020 class. Yeah. Which will start a couple years ago. So you're, you're looking at 2020 players, and you kind of have a running list of like, okay, these are guys in my, neighbor, in my area, and then you're just kind of ranking your area. Right. And then on top of that, you might have the supervisors who are on top of the area scouts. Who are now grabbing each area and then ranking dudes from different areas. So you get like right. a, a top list essentially. Uh and it starts like as now it starts really young. Like I think the youngest kid I ever saw was like twelve. Jeez. Yeah, it's super young. And it's crazy to see how talented these kids are.
0: Well, I mean, they grow up, right? So think of like living in Canada, I would say. Think of hockey, right? Like kids are starting hockey at like two or maybe not two like three four five years old as soon as they can get on skates as soon as they can handle a stick and a ball like they're getting into the sport yeah and that's what's happening in 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 these latin american countries or countries all over the world right like we we sometimes forget japan korea like they've got great Mm. baseball organizations and they've got tons of development we're seeing it now with like you know ichiro and hideki matsui and you know all these guys. Otani, who yeah. just came over to the Angels. I mean, we've seen a more a mass exodus of, of, of guys coming at a younger age now to play from other countries. It's not just a an American thing, yeah. but a majority of, of the major league is made up of people from Latin America, Dominican mm-hmm. Republic, Cuba, like all That's of these right. places, right? And so you're getting these lists from all of these different regions, all of these different scores for how you rank them because everyone's graded on, on a tool system right yes, yes yes right so can do you can you go through like what uh let's say a, a pitching tool what are the things that you would grade yeah so pitcher?
1: i think so the tool system is like the twenty eighty grade right Twenty fifty 50 being average and then anything below you consider below average fringe and then an 80 grade is excellent like right so pitching pitching's a, like it's it, there's a lot that goes into it's so like the first thing i'm doing If I see a guy on the mound, I'm like, all right, like how projectable is he? Like body-wise, what's he look like? Is he athletic? Are the movements loose? Essentially, does he make it look easy? Right. Right now, what I'm trying to see is like, is this kid a starting pitcher or is he going to be a reliever? And then from there, I'm working, I'm I'm moving forward. So it's like, okay, starting pitcher, why? Does he have at least three pitches? Can he command the fastball? If you can't command a fastball, you'd be in a lot of trouble. And that right. might position you to end up being a reliever. So, okay. I want to. You're, you're looking at fastball command, velo, and obviously they're young, so they might not have the velo. But there's different ingredients that might tell you he can get to more. Um, you want to look at like how the ball spins on a curveball. Is it tight, loose? Uh, does he have feel for the pitches? Again, like right. a lot of that can be learned. Like once you get into pro, pro into the pro leagues. You have amazing coaches who you're going to develop with. So for me, it's just kind of like, okay, can you I think if you can command the fastball, we can work from there. You command the fastball and there's an, I see something that says you're athletic, like you can adapt. Uh, you can adjust. The body can move certain ways. That'll tell you like, okay, yeah, there's, a, there's some ingredients for him to get better and learn other, other pitches.
0: Right. Cause you're also looking at like size, right? You know, they get a little bit taller. They mm-hmm. couldn't put on a little bit more muscle. Like those are all things that yeah. are going to factor into, to how they're going to develop. Right. Everything is a, like you said, it's a projection. There are no guarantees about things. There are no locks for things. I mean, the thing about, you know, guys coming from like the Japanese league, for instance, they have to be a certain age yeah. and play a certain amount of years mm-hmm. before they can come over. So they're almost kind of like finished products. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, we see guys like a Vladdy Guerrero, for instance, you know, sticking with the, with the Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah. You know, he tore it up in the minor leagues. He had the name that got him the recognition in the door. You know, obviously mm-hmm. with his dad being playing for the Montreal Expos and then the LA uh, Angels. So he was, he was like a name talent. But when you saw what he was doing when he was hitting the ball, yeah how he was hitting the ball the fact that he was hitting for average he wasn't striking out a whole lot i'm sure he was probably as close to a lock to make the major leagues as you could have as mm-hmm. a lock but in season 1 of him coming up to the majors we saw a little bit of the coming back down to earth just a little bit because mm-hmm. in the minor league systems you're only going to play against a certain ceiling of talent obviously when you make the majors you're in that final upper echelon tier and it's an adjustment. And for all intents and purposes, he started to get it towards the end of the season and has given the Blue Jays a lot of hope in their young core, you know, your Kevin Bigios your Bo Bichette's, you know, your Nate Pearson's. These are all guys who are that next wave of, of Blue Jay that have come through scouting and drafting and developing within the Blue Jays organization yeah. this year. We'll get into in a second because how many draft rounds are there on a typical full season uh, for the, uh, I guess it would be like, the, was it the amateur draft?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I started, it was 50. 50. Okay. 50. Yeah. And then. And so,
0: so I, I believe the only reason it got lowered, it's now it was down to five. For yeah. Yeah was that because of covid or is that like the the staple going forward
1: yeah no just a weird year it it was so okay. when i started it was 50 and that and then it moved to 40 okay and then because of this year just weird year dropped yeah. to 5
0: so you're look, let's say you're looking at 40 rounds of of drafting which ultimately at a minimum you're looking at 40 picks mm-hmm. for your team Now this is to fill your system, whether it's starting at a young age and get some guys who are in high school, maybe, um, maybe some collegiate players who are almost at the, you know, the stage where they're going to be going to either rookie ball or, or double a or triple a, or maybe even in some cases, like a Bryce Harper from a few years ago, like ready to step in to that major league Mm -hmm. season at a very, very young age, which doesn't happen often. Um, how many guys are on your list to draft going into a 40 round draft? Like how many guys make your list knowing you're not going to get everybody because people are going to take your guys. Some people may not take your guys, but how many guys start on that list?
1: It's incredible. I've actually been able to sit in on a couple of drafts. Oh wow! Um, It's incredible. The whole process. It's a bunch of guys. Like (laughs) I don't even know. It's, it's so many, like, Every area scout does a tremendous job of just breaking down the areas. I like I was overwhelmed because when I started interning, I was I had to move a bunch of the magnets. So we would make magnets of all these players. Okay. Guy comes off the board, I got to find out oh my where is this? Place? <laughs> um but it's it's like an overwhelming amount. Like unbelievable. Like guys that aren't even going to be drafted are on the list just cuz they they've been seen. So you put them right. on just in case someone else picks them up. You have to know who the guy is, but right. It is a lot of names. So different scouts. So you I think it's like scouts then you have their supervisors and you have like yeah. national cross checkers, like special assignment. It's, it's a bunch of names.
0: So, so how many people are in that war room for draft day?
1: Uh, I think draft day itself, or it's like a bunch of front office staff, you'll bring in the supervisors, national guys, anywhere it's probably anywhere from like 20 to 40. Wow. Yeah. it can get, it can get pretty, get pretty high. So
0: we move from, you know, the, the large draft to five. So for five rounds for the 2020 COVID year, um, which means you have to be way more tighter with what you're going to get. Now with the blue Jays this year, all five draft picks came from the States. There were no international draftees this this year. Um, and so the number one draft or the first round draft pick for the Blue Jays was uh, Aston Martin mm-hmm. or Austin Martin. Austin, sorry. My, yep, yep. I, I get confused with the car. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of buzz coming through him because they projected him to go a lot higher. So when he fell to the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays were super excited about it. He was invited to... I guess the makeshift yeah, the camp. spring yeah. training camp and very rarely are guys get a breakthrough in their first camp. Um, mainly be there. There's a lot of issues which we won't get into with the yeah. service time and all of that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the other things when it comes to the draft that is different from most other sports is that there are slotted positions for draft when it comes to like signing bonuses and, and money that is allowed to be paid to a certain player at a certain spot. How does there's, there's obviously now a business aspect to it, not just about a talent. How does that factor in? Because you could draft, let's say, a high school player or a high school age player. Mm-hmm. And he may think that he is a higher value person if he goes to college for a year or two or even tries to get back in the draft the next year. How does that, I mean, how many different things are you guys juggling when you're thinking of drafting a player? Because it's not just as simple as, talented guy we want him on our team there's so many other factors that go into it
1: yeah a lot of it is yeah it is tricky like first of all you got to know signability like is the guy what is he going to sign for right like that i think with the five rounds was the most important thing Like, you have to know what his signability is like is he going to sign for x amount of dollars five picks that you cannot waste any of them
0: no for sure
1: so there's a bunch of things that go on. Like, it's like, a, I don't really know how the phone calls go with the agents, but right. it's got to be like a lot of cat and mouse. Some are, some are more open than others. Some are stay private. Um, yeah. But I think it all goes down to knowing your players. Like, our, our scouts did such a good job with figuring out the makeup, who he is. Uh, and, like, even to get Austin Martin was incredible. I incredible. When I saw his name, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this can't be happening. <laughs> yeah then oh, go two okay three no still didn't go unbelievable yeah uh, so
0: so as an organization then let's talk about a little bit more of like your experience then so some of the guys that you've been a part of seeing them be drafted and then developed what are what's like the other than we'll take away Vladdy What are, and and maybe Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, let's, let's get it to the, well, the lesser known guys. What are, what are some of the guys within the organization that you've been a part of, you know, seeing and, and reporting on and, and feel like, you know, this is the next tier of guy that's coming up in, in the next few years.
1: So I would say, so Vladdy actually came in the year before I started, which is like a legendary story on its own. Like you just, I came in and you just keep hearing the the legend of Vladdy essentially. Um, but so for international, there's like a signing date, international signing date, which okay. has been pushed back. It's usually on July 2nd. Right. But this year, I believe they said January 15th. So the okay, 2020 sense. class will be signed in 2021. So oh, okay. COVID, All right. the way it goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so 2016, outside, Let's. I did the first player I ever saw going international, outside of Blue Jays, just like first guy I ever saw was Juan yeah. Franco, like top prospect. Oh, yeah of tampa and i was like i you know i heard the buzz i go into this place in the dominican and he's just kind of warming up and it's just so easy and he's hitting bombs man this bp game time comes he's still he's got this swagger it's just nice and easy boom yeah. line drive single it's like damn all right goes plays defense like, makes this just nonchalant plays so smooth oh yeah this guy's a real deal so he's one that stood out obviously it, Those are the players that just make it easy. It's like, yeah, he's done. So it's finding the other guys. But for me, so 2016, I actually got really lucky. So they sent me to pretty much live at a complex for about two, three months where I got to see some of our new signed players. Okay. One of them that really stands out, actually, there's a couple. So Otto Lopez. Okay. He's a Dominican, but he actually lives in Quebec.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: He spent a couple years, so he... He Speaks a bunch of languages, so he's. I got to see him there. He's. I always thought he was gonna be good, but I didn't know how good the bat was gonna get. And and he's he's been pretty legit. I think okay. I believe really he played Lansing last last season. Okay. Um. So keep an eye out for him. A Little Canadian connection there. Um. Gabby Moreno, who's our cat, who's a catcher, who's um starting to get more famous within the baseball okay. world. But he was a guy we saw in. T- when, when I saw him in 2016 in our complex, always knew, like, just contact ability. He could hit anything. Okay. But then for me, it was like, okay, he's got to shrink the zone a little bit because he's chasing stuff because he's right. such, like, such a good hitter. But now he's converted into more power, super athletic, and it plays as a catcher. He signed as an infielder. They converted him to a catcher. So he's definitely another name to look out for. Uh, 2016. 2016 was a good year, and, and the thing is, we were kind of penalized because of the Vladdy signing, so we, we were capped by how much we been. Gotcha. But we had a lot of good arms that year. Trying to think. Those are two that just stood out right away. Right. 2017. And- Dancette Pardinho's here. Eric Pardinho, who's a Brazilian pitcher. He's good. I think he just went down with Tommy John. Uh And then uh, pretty recently, I got to see a Cuban signing. Okay. We signed uh, Yosfer Sulueta, like 21 years old out of Cuba, up to 96. He's an honor to keep an eye on. Yeah. Not many people talk about him
0: the main reason why I asked you this is I'm in a fairly competitive fantasy baseball league that we draft minor league or So that's I'm going right. to take some of this knowledge and maybe not tell any of, of, my, it, uh, right. of, of my buddies about this, but no, I mean, it, it's an interesting thing because, you know, again, 40 rounds, there's 40 different draft picks on a, on a typical year. I can't imagine that all 40 of those guys are going to make it to the big league level at some point, right? A lot of them are going to be guys that you project guys who you're hoping can convert to another position. If it doesn't work out, but I would I would probably say what like, fifty percent of those guys see out their time within the organization that drafts them. Is it less than that? Is it more than that?
1: Ooh, yeah, that actually make it. Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be less than fifty. In a draft, yeah.
0: Yeah, I could. Well, I mean, listen, you're getting forty new players every single year, and that's outside of your international. Exactly. yeah. So, just on offhand how many international signings do you guys but for example
1: last year yeah we had the 40 drafted players and i want to say we signed 40 something international guys wow so that's like yeah it's a bunch it's a bunch yeah so
0: and how how is the agreement now with a place like cuba made it easier for you guys to sign right because before with you know the Cuban government, the U.S. government. It was a little bit harder when it came to like defect. Guys had to defect, whereas now you can actually sign a player and he can come over. Did that has that made life a lot easier for you guys when it comes to taking the risk on a Cuban player?
1: So there was a, a like, it looked like at one point we were going to be able to actually finally go into Cuba and start scouting, yeah. but it's I think Trump said no, 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 we're not. We're uh so uh oh,
0: so it was the obama administration that was looking to bridge that gap then
1: there was something there it was even with trump like it looked like it was getting there like yeah. there was rumors it was like oh man we might actually get to go to cuba so kids still have to defect which right. is, it's it's a crazy process like it's i've only really heard yeah one and it's one of those where like, i don't want to ask like i don't ask it's just yeah, yeah. you here man like
0: Makes makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we we're seeing a young gr- like crop of, of international players now. You know, you got your Ronald Acuñas, your Vladis, your Juan Soto's. I mean, it's definitely a multi-country sport now. It's not. I mean, we have we have some Canadians. I mean, Mike Soroka, shout out yeah. to him. You know, pitched opening oh, yeah. day for the Atlanta Braves. Um, there's a little bit of Canadian content, but it's definitely a, a Latin America or international game as much as any other sport ever is, right? Um, you look at basketball, maybe it's more you know American. Uh, a little bit of Canadian is starting to jump into that market, but baseball is definitely, you know, world baseball classic comes to mind. Mexico, Venezuela, DR, yeah. I mean, Japan, it's just, it's the one time I would say on a major sport where the U.S. isn't in that like lock to be but the yeah, greatest yeah, team, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's and it's interesting, um, especially nowadays because we can't ignore the fact that COVID has sort of thrown things on its head. There was a chance a few weeks ago we weren't even going to have baseball yeah. um, until you know Rob Manfred said, "Yeah, we're going to have a season. Here are your." Your rules, this is how it's going to sort of yeah. follow. And there's still so much uncertainty. You know, a guy tests positive what's going to happen. There's still travel. It's the only sport actually right now until maybe football starts where teams are traveling to play. Mm-hmm. Baseball's in a bubble. Soccer's in a bubble. NHL is going to be in a bubble in two hub cities. Yeah. So baseball is really sort of taking the, taking the frontier on, on moving around. And the Blue Jays. So I want to get into the Blue Jays. I, I won't talk about my Red Sox. But in, in a 60-game season, it really is one of those times where if you get hot, any team can really make a big push mm. yeah. to win a championship, not to mention the fact that they've opened up additional wildcard spots. Yeah, And so as an organization – as the Toronto Blue Jays that plays in, in one of the highest, most competitive divisions in all of sports with the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm not going to say Baltimore because, yeah, Baltimore yeah. is Baltimore. I mean, the Blue Jays have to like their chances with the young team that they have as far as making their push, having those guys be able to make a difference. As an organization, Like, what are, what are the rumblings inside saying?
1: Yeah, I think guys are just excited because you're starting to see all, all the young, young guys finally get up and play. So today we have Thomas Hatch pitching, who we got last year in a trade. But it's just examples like we're pulling guys who maybe the rest of the industry hasn't really heard of yet. And right. we're excited because we know they can perform. Like these are good arms, good players. So we're hoping, we're hoping that, like, yeah, it all comes together. It's 60 games, like you said. So it's like it's a sprint. Like if we get hot, yeah. bats get going. For me, like me personally, I'm just excited to finally see all these guys that we that I've kind of come up with. Not, I didn't come up, right. but like I've seen them, I've heard them for, for sure the past three, four years, and it's like wow, here they are on the t- on the TV now, as opposed to seeing them taking BP in Florida. Like it's incredible, and and it makes it fun for me. It's like to see it a little differently, but right. that's how I'm taking it. It's like I'm kind of just going with the flow and like whatever happens, I'm excited. Like we get winning. With these young guys, I'm um, wow, like, the next couple of years to be really good. And but and it, there's a ton of talent though coming. Right. And more coming. Which is and, and
0: that's the thing, right? They they say that you you can look at this in that that glass half full, half empty kind of way, right? Mm. Glass half empty, oh, you have a lot of inexperienced guys, they're young. You know, this is just one of those years where they get their feet wet. Or you can look at it as these guys are young, they're getting to know each other, they're playing loose. And in a season where it's a sprint, as you said, and not a marathon, you know, you start believing in yourself. You start, you know, rattling off five, six, seven wins in a row. You're winning four out of five, um, you know, games or sorry, a series. You know, you're looking at with an additional playoff spot opened up for for teams. You're looking at a, a definitely chance where you can compete against some of these teams and the way the seating works. Is that you could actually get an easier matchup, yeah. depending on where you finish, right? Like it's such a strange time that to take from the Boston Red Sox breaking the curse in two thousand four, and I'm sorry, I know I said I wouldn't bring them up, <laughs> but I will now. You know why not us, right? And I would love nothing more than the Toronto Blue Jays to do to do well, right? You oh, know this. Yeah, yeah. The city is buzzing. It's it's ready. As much as I would obviously say, if my Red Sox are in the hunt, then I would <laughs> rather my Red Sox win. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if if the Blue Jays, I remember what it was like in that Texas Rangers series. Unbelievable. Yeah. I remember what the city was like. I remember what, you know, society was. I remember the whole country was behind this team. And during you know something like COVID, it's really what like the fan base and people need. It's mm-hmm. the distraction, something to cheer for. There's baseball on all the time. Next weekend, when you know August first comes around, NHL. NBA, MLS, UFC, boxing, baseball. It's going to be sort of like this pandemonium back to, back to normality or at least the new normal, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a very, very exciting time. Um, You know, what has it been like for you just to, like you said, you know, you were doing the internship and you had the opportunity to learn a lot. What has it meant to you to be able to work for an organization that you grew up cheering for? you know, how, how has that worked out for you?
1: Oh man. It's, it's been like a dream, honestly. Like it's incredible. And then just to see the, the work that goes, that goes into it and then learning from all these guys, like, it's honestly, I, I still like pinch myself. I'm like, how did I get here? Like, how did this happen? Like I, so, uh, it's almost, I don't even, I don't even have like words at, at times. Yeah.
0: So what's the next step for you then? Uh, so you're the assistant international scout for the Toronto blue Jays. What would be, you know, the next place that you would like to see yourself um, in, you know, like two, three, four years. Yeah.
1: I would love to just stay with the international side. For me, that's my passion. Uh, like I, there's a lot that goes into that. Like when I, when we go to these like signing days on J- J2, like July 2nd stuff,
0: Yeah.
1: just seeing these kids, like kids that remind me of like my cousins back home and right. then how happy they are with their families when they sign. Like, it's, it does it's 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 a lot more than just baseball i don't i don't know for me it feels like i'm helping them but it's not really like it's all them there it's so it's, it's a feeling of like i don't know it, it it almost feels like i'm giving back but i'm really not it's just a cool thing that happens there
0: well you're you're part of helping them make their dream come true right yeah essentially yeah because in some of these countries getting drafted by a major league baseball team is their way out oh yeah Ooh, right yeah. Because, because some of these places while i mean They do play in their in their country leagues and they could go on go on to have a great, you know, local career getting out and being able to get recognized, even get that paycheck to help out family back home to to improve the the position that their families are in or even have the ability someday down the road to bring their families out of that to move to another country. You being a part of that is part of helping them achieve their dream. Yeah. And you're really, I mean, you're you are doing your job, but at the same time, I mean, I'm sure a lot of these things like you guys are factoring in as well when it comes to, you know, how old they are, where they're going to develop, putting them in the best situation for them to be successful. Um, you know, you are essentially helping them achieve their dream and that's got to, you know, when you see a kid sign on the dotted line yeah. or, you know, if their family's there and, you know, they see how excited they are, it's got to, you know, pull on your heartstrings yeah, you, a little bit too, right?
1: You see a lot of tears. It's, it's yeah. incredible. And and obviously, like, it's such a different dynamic, Latin America. Like, kid, these for kids sure. are picking baseball over school. So it's really all or nothing for them. And then there's other dynamics where it's like a lot of these players who end up making the money end up kind of becoming the parent. So it's just, yeah. it's just a bunch of different things that go into play.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. Listen, Julio, it's been a lot of fun. I know you got to get going, so I'm going to let you go right now. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll do a mid-season – you know rehashing of this we'll talk a little bit when we know a little bit more about what's yeah. going on with you and hopefully the wild success of the buffalo i mean sorry the
1: toronto yes, yes blue
0: jays bunch of
1: w's coming that's
0: right a bunch of w's close to the border obviously we would have loved to have, yeah. have them playing in toronto but i mean buffalo is the is the next literally the next closest thing to to what we can have yeah. um listen nothing but success for you and the toronto blue Jays organization. Uh, Good luck with the young one.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: You know, keep keep enjoying everything, and uh, you know, thank you for joining me today.
1: I want I want to thank you for having me. It was it, I feel like we barely scratched the surface, so we definitely got to do this again. Like
0: one hundred percent.
1: There's definitely a lot more baseball we could we could talk about. And I'd love to yeah. I'd love to do that. So, if we talk yeah. baseball, I can go for hours.
0: Well, listen, man, don't make promises you can't keep. I'll bring you back on to talk baseball. Oh, let's do it. Man. Let's
1: do it. This is this is uh, we're doing it.
0: Awesome. Julio, uh, thank you for joining me for uh, the Big O Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening. Take care, everybody.